Thanks for joining us for today's message from our series, Belong. During this series, we're discovering what it means for us as believers to be a part of the family of God. It's one of our greatest privileges and also one of our greatest responsibilities. We're always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives all around the world through what He's doing right here at Meadowbrook. So if that's you and you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send us an email at godstories.nbcocala.org. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so by giving online. Thanks so much for joining us and prepare your hearts to hear from God. And help me welcome our internet audience, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, um, I guess we're done. I, I couldn't think of anything to talk about today. So no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. We're going to hop right in in a series called Hosanna. Everybody say Hosanna. And before we get into that, um, I announced to you a couple of weeks ago that um, my son Lee, Pastor Lee and his family are going to be moving back. And they actually came back a little early. And uh, go ahead and stand up, wave at him. We welcome him back. Yeah. And they also brought my, gra- my grandbabies. Yeah. So we had a good time yesterday afternoon and uh, last evening as they came home. So well, we're going to dive into the word uh, this morning. Everybody again, say Hosanna. Hosanna. Today marks um, Palm Sunday, where we historically um, commemorate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's historic, yes, but it's very meaningful for us still today. This marks the beginning of what is referred to as Holy Week. It will culminate with Easter. And, uh, we'll talk more about that. And then later on, I'm going to tie some other things together. Um, even that follow that, that's still, um, so meaningful for us yet tied to what historically happened. Jesus, um, his whole life was moving toward Jerusalem. And this is the first time, uh, on this triumphal entry here a week before he's crucified, less than a week before he's crucified. Um, this is the first time he's been in Jerusalem since the very beginning of his ministry. And Jesus knows this, understand this. Jesus knows full well that coming into Jerusalem means one thing, certain death, certain death. And he knew it would be death on a cross. And can I tell you something about death on a cross? It's overkill. It's just overkill. Um, This was not just to kill a person. This was to destroy them in every way. This is not just punishment. This was torture. This was not just death. This was reduce and shame as as far as you could. Any image, any presentation of a cross you've ever seen is so sanitized it does not even come close. And so this is not just about the cross. This is also about curse. And he knew going into Jerusalem, that's what this is about. He knew certain death. He also knew that, there, that he would rise again. And I pray that stirs you. I pray that this week as we think about some things, that stirs you. It's hard for our minds to realize that. And especially us in our culture and in our day because we see all kinds of movies with all kinds of special effects that you can hardly wow us anymore. And you spend hours, a lot of you do, or maybe your kids do, 
playing games. And the thing about those games, you usually have an extra life or two. You know, so if something really goes bad, really goes south, no big deal. Um, because I've got three more lives. Look at me. That's not real. Okay. And Jesus came and through the power of God, the glory of God, and we'll talk more about it next week, defied death, hell, and the grave. He didn't just defy them. He conquered them and he conquered them for us. He died and rose again so that you and I could live because the only thing in front of us was a death that would be meaningless and could not help us. Somebody had to pay the price. He did in the most cruel death imaginable. And then by the power of God, he's raised from the dead so that we could live and serve him and be with him forever. Amen. 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 Now, let's look at a couple of things here this morning. This event is prophesied. And now we have the convergence and the intersection and the culmination of God's big plan uh, of redemption for mankind. And think about it. This plan was in place, the scripture says, before the foundations of the world. Are you, are you all with me this morning? Y'all have had more time to sleep than anybody today. I need y'all like right, right here, okay? Um, this plan is in place and now in real time, it's, it's hitting, it's happening. And here's this convergence of events and the culmination of God's plan all coming together. This is incredible. Palm Sunday and this holy week, what takes place. Palm Sunday is actually one of the few events that's recorded in all four of the gospels. I've chosen Matthew's account of this this morning because of a few things I want to pull out. Let's look at Matthew chapter 21. If you're with me, give me a good amen today. Actually, give me a Hosanna today. Okay, and we'll, we'll get on that in here in just a moment. It says, now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, and let me just draw a little map for you here, not actually draw it, but um, you got Jerusalem and then the next little town over in that day with, was Bethphage, and then you had Bethany, okay? So these are all in close proximity. Keep that in mind. He's, when they came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, Saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Now, um, let's keep going here. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. Now, let me just warn you on this. That will not work for you. Okay, so if you go test drive a car this week or something... And you go to take off and they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you got, the Lord has need of this. That, that will not work for you. Okay. Just clarifying. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them or he will release them with you. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your King is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude, note that a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
Then the multitudes who went before, so there's some preparation going on, who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Notice this. All the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And so there's preparations taking place. I just believe there was probably a great buzz going on. There's a festival going on. Uh, This is a major market area. All of this going on. Plus now God's plan, Jesus coming this way. Don't you think there's probably even just something in the air? I mean, you've got this eternal plan of God that's coming uh, into reality right here. I just, I just think there is a, some kind of electricity even in the air going on. And then all these preparations, they're laying things out in the street. People are gathering. Um, unlike the Ocala Christmas Parade. How many of you have seen like a week or two before the parade on Silver Springs Boulevard? There's all these lawn chairs and stuff all out. It's like a citywide rummage sale or some storm that has stolen all of our lawn furniture, you know, and it just kind of, it just looks horrible, you know? Anyway, unlike that, there's preparations going on for this royal pathway, this processional that's going to take place here. They shout this word, Hosanna, and I want us to look at this word, Hosanna. Everybody say, Hosanna. Hosanna is um, for us and for them a transliteration out of the Hebrew. Um, from the Hebrew is Hoshiana, Hoshiana, and then we say Hosanna. I taught on this a couple years ago, and, and one, of, one of the ladies in the church, she's actually in the horse business as well. Um, she's got a horse that a couple years ago she named Hoshiana, and uh, she calls him Hoshi. And I think that's, that horse is going to be a winner, y'all. You know, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. But Hosanna actually means, it means a couple of things, depending on how it's used. First of all, it's a cry. It's a prayer. It's very urgent. It's very emphatic. It's save, we pray, literally. And it's like, right now, I need you. Help me now. Save me now. So it's a cry, a prayer in that way. But it is also can be used this way as a praise, as a proclamation. And so instead of uh, help me, it's saying help is here. And I want us to get to the place where we're not always crying, help me, please help me. That Hosanna, I'd rather us have this Hosanna, help is here. He is my help. So I think there's some, as Jesus entered, that were saying, please help us. I think there's others that knew him that were using it in this way. There's help right there. Help is here. Everybody say help is here. Say Hosanna this morning. There are also two groups that, and I tried to point these out when we're reading from Matthew. There's first of all, the crowd. Everybody say the crowd. And I pointed out to you a very great multitude. Other translations say the crowd. And for our uses and to make it memorable this morning, the crowd. And the crowd, very great crowd, does not mean it's a bunch of celebrities or, or heroes or something. It's a very large gathering of people. Uh, 
it literally is a throng, a multitude, a press of, of people that are there. So that's one of the groups. And the other group is the city. So you've got the crowd doing something. And then you've got the city coming out to see what's going on. So there are a lot of people uh, that have come into the city proper, you know, for different events and Passover and, and, you know, all that was going on around that and for business and travel and pleasure and everything else. So you've got You've got this crowd, though, that seems to know something because the crowd are the ones cutting down the branches and laying out their clothes and gathering and starting this buzz. And, and if you read carefully when we're reading, there's some that started this before and there's some that followed as Jesus came. So I think even before he entered, they had prepared this way that was prophesied and they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there's just this buzz and excitement and it's from the crowd. So the crowd kind of knows something in the the city. They just kind of chime in here in a moment. And so they just arrive and join. I think they left what they were doing, left their their shops and homes and whatever. And it's like, what on earth is going on? You know, and so they come out by this passageway that's coming and and they just join in. And, And so I can imagine the crowd going, Hosanna, Hoshiana. And they are, they're fired up about, there's our help. Our help. And then you got the city come, coming out and they're going, they hear that word, Hoshiana. They hear Hosanna. And they think, save us, help us. And they're thinking, we do need help. So I think they kind of chimed in. Yeah, save us. Two, count us in, help us. And then they ask this question, who is he? I've told you this story in other contexts before when I was about sixth grade and really starting to like girls and I'm in the lunchroom at school and this girl walks over to me and she goes, Beth likes you. I said, I like Beth. Which one is she? So it's kind of like this. Yes. Save us too. Who is he? And the crowd responds to the city. And the way it's written is interesting. It's almost in one accord because it says the crowd responds back and they go, he is Jesus. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And I want us to look at this because the crowd, they seem to know him. They knew him as a rabbi. They they announced him as a prophet. They knew him as a teacher. I think they knew him as a miracle worker and a healer. Just the day before, if not that morning, it's not real clear. He healed two blind beggar men. He'd just done that. How many of you know if you were a blind beggar man, your life is suddenly changed if Jesus heals you? And do you think if you're blind and having to beg just for, you know, to sustain your life and Jesus comes along and heals you, do you think you would just go, oh, wow, it's very kind of you. Thank you, sir. How many of you know you would make... uh, the price is right. Look calm. You know, you would jump and scream and you know, and word would spread. I'm telling you word would spread. And do you know what? And they did not have social media. You know, people didn't just, Hey, wow, Jesus is trending, you know, on Twitter. Healed some guys. Awesome. Favorite, you know, um, her retweet. Um, 
word spread. This was organic. This was powerful, um, what was going on. And then just prior to that, just very, very recent, Jesus, this Jesus that they said, this Jesus, the crowd knew him as this, raised Lazarus, his friend, from the dead. There should be at least four wows on that one, okay? I mean, raised his friend from the dead. And then in Bethany, remember I told you there's Bethany and then Bethphage and then Jerusalem. Back in Bethany, about two nights prior to this, they had a dinner in honor of Jesus and in honor of Lazarus because he's making his comeback tour. <laughs> Y'all are hard today. So, okay. Seriously, they had a dinner to honor Jesus and Lazarus. And it says that the, the crowds flocked. There was a press around that house of people because they wanted to see this Jesus. And they wanted to see Lazarus. You know who also was included in that group of people pressing around that house? The high priest. They were not there for good reason though. They hated Jesus. They were plotting to kill Jesus. And you know who else they suddenly included as a target? Lazarus. Said they hated Lazarus because people who were following them and their dead, dried up, boring religion left them because of what Jesus did with Lazarus and now believe Jesus. And they said, we got to take out Jesus. we got to take out Lazarus. But you know what? This crowd, they knew this Jesus as this rabbi, as this prophet, as this miracle worker, as this healer. They knew him as the object of Hosanna. They knew that he had come to help them. Amen. And so you've got the city saying, come help us. And you've got the crowd saying, help is here. And you've got the city saying, who is this? And you've got the crowd saying, this is Jesus. So as we enter and celebrate Palm Sunday today, which begins Holy Week. Did you hear that? Holy Week. Could you do this this week as followers of a risen Jesus Christ? Make this a holy week. Could you this week think about some things in this holy week? Not hurry week, but holy week. You know, at times I'm almost overwhelmed thinking about six services next week. And all this got to come together and all of those things. And, and you know what? The Lord has just ministered to me even this morning. This is not a hurry week. This is not a hurry week. This is a holy week. And we're going to mark it right. And he's going to help us with everything we need to do. And that holy week, not hurry week, but holy week is going to culminate in a celebration of Easter. And Easter is not just a regular Sunday, folks. And Holy Week is not just a regular week. What we're commemorating this week marks the most amazing, most important week in all of human history. And I want us to be wide awake for it. There's another Hebrew word, and I'm not trying to give language lesson. I'm not the guy to do that even. But there's another Hebrew word you might know, and it's Selah or Selah. And it means to just slow down and think about some things. And that's what I want to encourage you to do this week. And I want to give you something for every day of the week to think about. To sila, To stop. To slow down. To ponder about these things. So I want you to ponder, slow down, and think about who he is. Who he is this week. Remember the city said, who is he? And they said, this is Jesus. 
And then they just started part of the list. They said, the prophet. Well, I, don't want, I want us to look at something. I want to give you something for every day of this week. Um, write these down. Um, put them on your phone or pad or write them on your arm or, you know, what, whatever you, you've got. Or you can do this. You can subscribe to, um, we used to call it the Echo. We just started calling it Pastor's Notes. And it's free and it gets emailed to you. Or you can go to our app or you can go to our website and, and, and get these. But I want you this week, let's slow down, think about these things uh, during this Holy Week. The first one would be this. On Monday, on tomorrow, I want you to slow down. I want you to think about him as friend. Everybody say friend. Um, let's read a couple of scriptures here. In John 15, it says, no longer do I call you. Jesus is saying this. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you what? Friends for all things that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. And then in uh, Proverbs 27, verse 10 in the message, better a nearby friend than a distant family. He's a friend that's closer than a brother. He's a friend that would lay down his life for you. Um, And this is the deal. You ready for this? He called me friend. People have done this before too. Not that I'm anybody, but people say, so-and-so said they're your, your good, good friend. I'll go, who is that? You know, and sometimes we feel like, cause we passed somebody and they waved at us one time. Yeah, they're my friend. And this wasn't something we initiated and said, you know, Jesus and me, we're tight. I'll tell you who said we're tight. He said it. He said, we're good. He said, he's in, she's in. And you know what you need? You need a friend. You know what I need? I need a friend. When you're looking for a deal or looking for a favor, I've got a situation, I've got to work something out. What do we do? We usually rely upon a friend or somebody. Hey, do you have a friend that's in this business? Do you, do you have a friend who knows anything with this? Sometimes you see somebody riding in the, you know, in the special seat or whatever. How'd you get there? I got friends. And here's the point. You ready with it? You're in with God. You are in with God. Now, this does not mean that you strut yourself, but you start carrying yourself a little bit different. I'm a friend of God. Jesus called me his friend. I want you tomorrow... Throughout the day, kind of think about this. I'm actually a friend of God. And this wasn't something that I pushed and tried. Please be my friend. Doesn't matter. He called me friend. He's the one who made the way so that you and I could be, we could have an in with God and be called his friend. Amen. On Tuesday, think of him as physician. Physician. Um, Part of the massive draw to Jesus had to do with this. That he was bringing people to wholeness. Uh, Look with me quickly in Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. With Simon's, watch this, Simon's wife's mother. Who's that? It's his mother-in-law. Was sick. There are a whole lot of preacher jokes on this. I'm avoiding all of them this morning, okay? Catch me later. Um, But Simon's... Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law was sick with a high fever and they made request of him, Jesus, concerning her. 
So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. He spoke to the fever. Apparently the fever heard because it says, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him because they heard word spread. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. You just put it all together, what he was doing. He was forgiving sin, restoring sight, uh, opening ears and eyes and helping legs and restoring sanity and healing the sick and strengthening the weak and setting free those that were bound. Here's the word wholeness. Can I, can I ask you this? Is not Jesus our physician? Is he not doing everything he can in your life and every realm and every part of what you are? Is he not trying to bring you to more and more wholeness? And do you know what that is? What all of this is? It's a foretaste of the kingdom to come. We don't have time to go into it all this morning, but this is the thing about the kingdom of God. It is not fully here yet. The kingdom of God continues to embrace. It is here, but it is also not yet. And so, so whenever we see any of these awesome things happening, it's a foretaste of the kingdom to come because there's a day coming where there'll be no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow, no more sighing, no more death, no more sickness, none of those things. That day is not here yet, but it's coming. And he's saying, he's announcing the kingdom. And part of what he did, he carried himself as physician. Has he done anything to make you whole in any way and help you? Will you take Tuesday and just think about that and thank him for that and zero in on that a little bit. On Wednesday, and I'm going to zoom along here. On Wednesday, teacher. I want you to think about him as teacher. Has he taught you anything? And as he teaches us, you know, he trains us for life. Perhaps you could read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6 through chapter 8. And I want you to think about your best, most favorite teacher that you ever had. My wife and I talk about that a lot, about certain teachers that meant so much to us. Had it not been for their influence and impact in our life, our life probably could have taken a different direction. Every year with our academy, when we're doing orientation before school starts, I always have a meeting with all the teachers. And I, one of the things I share with them every year, and I'll do it forever, forever is, is this, that there are three kinds of teachers. There's teachers that you loved. Teachers you hated, teachers you've forgotten. And I look them in the eye and I go, which kind of teacher do you want to be? And we want to be a teacher that, that is loved. And I tell them as teachers, I say, you know why you're a teacher? Because of a teacher. Somebody inspired you. You saw something and you go, you know what? I'm wired that way. I, I want to do that. And Jesus is this incredible teacher, not just because of, of the, the subject matter, And what we learned, but also we could tell that he cared. And that's the thing about the teachers that we love today and impacted us. We could tell they cared. Not just the information, thank God for the information. But we could tell that he cared. 
And Jesus had a way of delivering the word that 15 times in the gospel, it said that when he finished teaching, the people were like just amazed. They were astonished. You know, think about this. How long can a person live without food? They say about 50 days. I say that is way off, folks. How long can a person live without water? They say it's three to five days. I don't even want to try. And here's another question. How long can we live without oxygen or without air? Minutes. Minutes. Here's something that strikes me. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is inspired by God. Literally, it's God breathed. Can I tell you this about the scripture that teaches us? It contains God's breath. Look at me. You can't live without it for very long. Let him be our teacher and celebrate him and think about him and thank him every day for being our teacher. Can I get an amen? amen? Thursday, consider him as counselor. Stop, slow down and think about him as counselor. Isaiah tells us he's the wonderful counselor. How many of you know that we all need a counselor? How many of you have told your spouse, don't raise your hand. How many of you have told your spouse lately, you need a counselor? We all need a counselor. We all need somebody that can talk to us, that can encourage us, that can confront us, that can adjust us, that can remind us. Perhaps you could read John 14 this week. And Jesus revealed himself not only as a counselor, but as the Holy Spirit who he was sending, who is with us now as, as a counselor. We all need counseling. You know, I purposely put teacher before counselor because teachers train, counselors remind. It, the more training, the less mess. Hello, the more training, the less mess. Think, you know, somebody go do your job. And if they're not trained, they're going to make a mess. But if they have some training, we're going to, we're not going to have such a mess. But you know what the counselor does? The counselor comes and actually reminds you. They clarify what you got trained in. They expand it and they show you how to better apply what you've learned to what your situation is. I'm so thankful that we have uh, Jesus now in the person of the Holy Spirit to be our counselor, to guide us, to encourage us. And you ready for this? To confront us, to correct us. Have you ever not treated everybody just perfectly? Maybe I didn't word that good. How many of you have ever messed things up before? Okay, better, better. And you should be grateful that the Holy Spirit comes back and convicts you. Because you know what? You didn't handle that quite right. And I'm so thankful for the counselor of the, of the Holy Spirit of Jesus being our counselor in our life. Amen. On Friday, good, fr- good Friday, let's think of him as, as savior, savior. Hello, y'all there? Savior. Everybody say savior. savior. What makes good Friday good? I mean, come on, there's crucifixions, horrible. What, what made good Friday good? Something's buzzing y'all get that. Somebody's shaving with their electric shaver right here. In, in okay. Um, what made Good Friday good was he came and he paid for our sins. And you know what? That's pretty good. That's pretty good for us. But I want you to think about him as Savior. Isaiah 53 may be a good thing to read. Written 700 years. 700 years before he was crucified for us. And to show the cost, the price that he paid as Jesus died as Jesus died for us. Um, Hosanna means save us. Save us from ourself, our sin, the devil himself. Save us 
or we are lost. Y'all with me? Try to stay with me. I don't know what that is, but just stay with me. If somebody's buzzing, stop buzzing. Okay. We got to, we got to come to a point here. Listen, we cannot save ourselves. If he does not save us, we will not be saved. If he does not save us, then we are lost. You with me? I read this just yesterday that Thursday night in a suburb of Chicago, a fire extinguisher factory, get this fire extinguisher factory burned to the ground, burned to the ground in 30 minutes. Okay. Whatever this buzz is, somebody please take care of this. I'm, I'm going to a very important point. Okay. And I need all of us with us. Okay. So please take care of that. I hate to do that, but I'm not going to let you out of here distracted. We're coming down to a very important point. Unless he saves us, we cannot save ourselves. And I pray that Friday, good Friday, that you'll really give some thought to him as savior. On Saturday, yeah, I'm going to have you work some on Saturday too. Think of him as leader. Leader, everybody say leader. This is the thing about Jesus. He was laser focused on what he came to do. He knew why he came. He knew he came. He knew certain death when he came in, into Jerusalem. He knew that he came to lay down his life so that he could give us life. And you know what? That's what you want in a leader. Leadership is very important to me. I'm a student of leadership. I've got so many books on leadership. I read blogs, listen to podcasts, watch webcasts, gone to conferences. My master's degree is in ministerial leadership. Leadership is a big thing. And you know what? Spent all that time, all that money. And you know what? This is what I've really found about leadership. Leadership is really just about following. And the better follower you learn to be, the better leader you learn to be. And you know what? I... I'm so happy and humble to follow Jesus as my leader because he's the one who shows us the steps. He's the one who shows us the paths of life. Amen. So who is he? Selah, think about it. Who is he? He's Jesus. He's friend. This is the short list. Friend, physician, teacher, counselor, savior, Leader. And next Sunday, risen Lord. Not just was, is. And he's the only one. He's the only one that could be that for us. I don't want to be the one that's on the outside saying, yeah, we need help. Who's this? I want us to use Hosanna in this way. There's my help. And take this holy week and make it holy. And focus in on that fact that he is my friend, my physician, my teacher, my counselor, my leader, my savior, my risen Lord, all of those things. Focus in on that, Selah, and truly be able to offer him during this holy week a right Hosanna. Amen. Can I get a Hosanna out of you this morning?